Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Master of None podcast. Full disclaimer, I'm still talking through my phone. I can't seem to find my microphone anywhere as it relates to podcasting, so my apologies. But getting into the content today, I really want to talk about, is there an upward trend of Chinese taking the Chinese government, the People's Republic of China, creating a stronger, um, essentially at the end of the day, it's just an espionage approach to taking secrets from the United States government. So let's get into it. So this relates to my background. I've I've master I have master I have a master's in international security where I studied a lot of Chinese policy. I spent two years in China working there and I was a Peace Corps volunteer within northern China and um I also studied at the Central Institute for Security Studies in Washington DC for a semester. And Some of the information will be coming out of there. And within this episode, what I'm going to be doing is giving an overview of what is going on as relates to China selling United States state secrets. So within this podcast, we're going to be breaking down the recent situation that has occurred and then some and then what has happened back in 2013 um, going into a situation where we had a commercial. So let's get into it. Sailors were charged in separate cases. We know that Jin Chao Wei uh, worked on the USS Essex stationed in San Diego. He faces espionage charges after allegedly sending a Chinese intelligence officer to locations of various Navy ships, along with technical manuals, pictures, and videos of the Essex, plus descriptions of the ship's defensive weapons. He's also accused of taking $5,000 in exchange for that information. The second sailor, Wen Heng Zhao, is charged with bribery after allegedly taking nearly $15,000 from a Chinese intelligence officer. According to the indictment, Zhao gave the officer plans for a large-scale U.S. military exercise in the Indo-Pacific region earlier this year, along with photos of electrical diagrams and blueprints for a radar system from a U.S. military base in Japan. Both men have pleaded not guilty, and it isn't clear whether they were in contact with the same Chinese. So whenever we're getting into this story, first of all, um, my thoughts are this is a really interesting point. I mean, whenever we're looking at the strategic location of this, whenever we look at espionage, we always are trying to attract the attention of of what it would take to flip somebody. Um, how can you flip someone in order to tell, to tell state secrets? What is their price? Um because in a lot of ways, the individuals are going to be dictating the prices. Like, how do you come to a price point of what a secret should be sold for? You're looking at this price. One incident, it was $5,000 and another $15,000. Now, that probably doesn't seem, it's, it's still money. I mean, if you're an E4, you know, making a certain amount within the military, you know, and you're going on deployment, you're, you know, 23, maybe this seems like a lot. But the negotiation of it tells me that it's not as much as you think it would be. I mean, I, I mean, it just depends on, on what the price point would be for these secrets. And I think that's probably an interesting point. The next is the location. Now, we're looking at the Navy. Um, 
as we all know, the Navy operates in the oceans. And currently right now, whenever we talk about conflict within China, we're really focusing on that um, Indo, Indo-Pacific region. Um, we're thinking about Japan, we're thinking about Korea, we're thinking about Thailand, we're talking about the space in the middle all the way to Guam to Hawaii and how this is a strategic location currently for the United States Navy. And then what's happening now is the Chinese government is trying to bolster their Navy power within it so they could challenge the United States government if need be. Whenever we're looking at these secrets as it relates to electric diagrams, um, weapon systems on the naval ship and what it's going to be used for and what the Indo-Pacific um, training mission is going to be. It's really kind of creating a scenario where we're seeing the puzzle pieces come together on selling these secrets. Now, why are we talking about it? Um, it's relative information. You know, I do think maybe sometimes within the media there is this whole um, mission of creating this these fear tactics around China and thinking, you know, China's the big bad wolf. But in this situation, it's something to be really concerned with because we also have situations too coming in, in the last two days of the Chinese government um, selling and trying to get information as it relates to Taiwan. So we think about the impact of, of what, you know, it would mean for Taiwan and China relations. Obviously, China wants Taiwan to be part of the one China, um, similar to what we saw happen with Hong Kong. Um, whenever we look at this, it's really showing the intention. But what's even crazier is timeline. So if we look at a, a study brought to you by, not brought to you by, I'm not sponsored, but a survey done by Chinese espionage going back to 2020 by the, the Central uh, Security Institute studies, we're looking at how there is close to 240 reports indicating there's an incident of Chinese espionage directly related to the United States dating back to 2020. Now, these espionages don't have nothing to do with other countries. It's solely focused on the United States and China. And whenever they're looking at this information, what they're doing is they're looking at a lot of open source articles. And these articles are talking, have different headlines, different points, and they're curating it through that lens. Now, out of these 224 incidents, what they found is there's been an uptick and if we look at when Xi Jinping came to power, which is in 2012 or 2011, um, there's a 69% increase in espionage secrets or secrets being taken. And they're categorized as military, political and commercial espionage. So whenever we look at this information, what we're really trying to determine is, is there an uptick between um, you know, Chinese military serving in the government. It says there's a 49% um, direct involvement in Chinese military or Chinese government employees. 41% were Chinese civilians. 10% were non-Chinese actors using U.S. personnel recruiters by Chinese officers. And the 46% of it, as we know, is going to be cyber espionage. 29% of an incident is acute, is accumulating military technology, 54% is commercial technology, and 17% is related to um, uh, political information. Now, 
it shows us that this is a continuous trend that's going on with the Chinese government. But this next clip I'm going to play to you actually goes back to 2013 as relates to a wind turbine company where the company um, was trying to steal the technology as relates to um, how these turbines were working. And it's a really interesting story. And eventually they were, um, the company was awarded $53 million. But I'm going to go ahead and play the clip so you can see the different aspects of how the Chinese government are using these these tactics to get information. Daniel McGann says his company, American Superconductor, was the victim of economic espionage right out of a Cold War spy novel, the blatant theft of advanced computer software that he was selling to a Chinese energy firm. They were out to kill my company. Sinovel powers the world. Federal prosecutors charged that Sinovel, a wind energy company with close ties to the Chinese government, lured one of McGann's employees, Dijan Karabasovic, to steal software, offering him a $1.7 million contract and access to women. These Skype messages obtained by NBC News are key evidence in the alleged conspiracy. All girls need money. I need girls. Sinovel needs me, reads one of Karabasovic's Skype messages to a Sinovel executive. Prosecutors call it attempted corporate homicide and filed criminal charges against Sinovel and two top executives for trade theft and wire fraud. McGann says the alleged theft cost his company more than $1 billion in market value. You had to lay off a lot of workers. Yeah, we laid off about 500 people. Very difficult. Sinovel, which has denied wrongdoing in the past, declined comment to NBC News. So did a lawyer for Karabasovic. So whenever we're looking at this story, we're really trying to identify certain techniques and patterns. And what's really evident is military secrets are what they're targeting as well as information and technology for business. Now, sometimes whenever we look at the Chinese government, what we have to understand is there's a lot of ties between Chinese governments and businesses, too. So it's not like the United States where there's a potential separation. Sometimes there are governments that are running potential businesses. Um, In this situation, we're having two stories that are showing this growing trend of espionage. This one was in 2013. um, And the one I'm talking about within the Navy sellers is in 2023. So in 10 years, still having the same types of techniques to take information for popular game and as it relates to Xi Jinping being more focused on the military security national security aspect of China so where does this lead us well it's leading us down an interesting path because you know national countries taking secrets from one another isn't true but within the article from the CSIS is what they're what they're really stating is that the frequency for espionage is actually higher from the Chinese government than even um, Russia, for example. And it's showing that there's a lot of information being stolen. Now, in all reality, this isn't new. Um, You know, this is like goes back to this theory that whenever, you know, Deng Xiaoping was the premier at the beginning of the 1980s of China. And, you know, you know, he had this famous stating, you know, to be rich is great. And, Whenever we look at, you know, the 1980s to now, when we look at the change of the GDP within China, for example, at that time, the Chinese GDP was equivalent to, I think, um, Zimbabwe, where they had 
roughly the same. And within, you know, 20 to 40 years, there's been a dramatic increase in the Chinese economic ability. Now, one of the thoughts is, and this is something I heard when I was in China, is the stealing of secrets and using the information within a commercial environment in order to speed up the economy. And this goes back to the simple fact, like, you know, and if, for example, it's like this could be a part of Chinese culture we don't really talk or know a lot about. And right here, I'm just kind of I don't know if I'm grasping at straws or just putting together points that aren't really relevant. But whenever we look at, for example, when I was a teacher, um, cheating is really big within Chinese students and the level and the ability for them to cheat is remarkable. Like, um, you know, I remember one time I, I caught a student who put the answers on whiteout and whatever she was in the middle of a test because I was a professor or teacher at a, at a university, not a professor, just an English teacher. They would do the whiteout with the answers on the test, which I thought was pretty incredible. And then what they would do one time is I remember one time I was teaching a class and someone had wrote all the answers on a Coke bottle label. And as they drank the Coke, they would get more answers. Those are just two examples of me catching something. Now, this also goes back to a story that someone once told me, you know, um, that there was a maybe some of the train systems were taking on German um, technology and, and the Germans didn't even know they had it. So the real question is, you know, what is this one of the catalysts for the Chinese government to do so well? And 224 incidents are, is what we know of. You know, there could be way more. And, you know, if we think there's 224, even if we double it, you know, we're looking at 500. And even if we triple it, we're looking at close to 700 within 20 years. Is That's quite a bit of secrets and information being sold. So... There's a lot of different um, points to take here. You know, the real intention of this episode is to go into detail about it to provide some insight to something I don't really feel like gets talked about enough. This is something I've been aware of since 2003, you know, since being in university and et cetera, and actually listening and seeing that article about the the um, windmill company. And it kind of reminded me of that moment whenever those things were going on. So... I think it's something that's worth talking about and worth knowing a little bit more about it. Not looking at China as the bit bad wolf, but potentially the the organization that that is looking to take information and they'll 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 pay for it and they'll flip informants and they'll and they'll do whatever they can. Um, with that being said, you know, hopefully I'll be able to find my microphone. Um, apologize for any cracking in my chair as I'm reading this, but I'm sitting here in my new office. Hopefully to have my microphone found at some point. I just realized when I sat down to record, I didn't have it. But thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate all of your support. You know, we're two days away from the final episode. So thank you much for listening and we'll get back to you tomorrow.